Welcome back to Momentary. And I'm your mom, Linda Weiniger. So listen up. No, just playing. Um, but no, for real, listen. And today we're actually doing something a little bit different. We're going to start something different because I've been trying to read all the assignments um, in one podcast episode. And remember way back in a different episode, one of my whole episodes got lost and wasted and I couldn't upload it. I couldn't do anything with it. And so it had to just get trashed. And that was really sad because it was like a full two hours of my time. And even though I know that I do this more for me because I get so much out of this process, um, I also don't want to waste what I'm like the things that I think about and things like that so that I, cause I like to go back and listen to these things too. Um, when I'm feeling discouraged or when I need, um, to be reminded of a thought that I remembered or, you know, something anyway. So, um, so we're going to be doing these a little different. I'm going to be doing instead of all of it in one episode in one big block, that's like two plus hours. And it seems like these chapters are getting longer. So this is another reason why. So I'm going to start doing them in just like two to three, maybe four chapters at a time. Um, And that way we're not trying to consume and do everything at one time. Um, And that way I can do it just like every day and I'll probably just post up something every day that – or maybe not every day, maybe just – every other day or something. And then I'll, it'll be published, um, so that I won't lose the progress that I'm making there and also help you to consume it in a shorter amount of time so that we're not super far behind. Um, and this also brings me to, um, talking about just, it might not be a whole book even, it'll just be like a couple to a few chapters. So anyways, that's how we're going to be breaking it up. And hopefully that'll benefit you in um, your scripture study in what you're doing and trying to accomplish with coming closer to Christ yourself. So here we go. We're going to read Leviticus chapter one. And in Leviticus, we actually are able to... um like this is a book written by Moses um but we're actually able to get some of like the rituals and the sacrifices and like kind of like the the details of what needs to be performed and what was observed uh so the commentary here on this it says through ri- Though written to the sons of Aaron and the Levites, the intent of this book is to help Israel become clean and sanctified. It is interesting to note that the word atonement appears in Leviticus more than any more than in any other book of scripture. And we have a lot of scriptures. We have like the five scriptures, Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Old Testament and the New Testament. So five books. And that's a lot of times. So this will be fun, but we're not going to be covering all of Leviticus. It's going to be for today. We're going to cover chapters one through 19 or just kidding. One chapter 
16 and chapter 19. So chapter 1, 16, and 19. Um, and hopefully this will be a little bit shorter so like than the last one so that it will be easier to consume. Okay, so the Lord... Oh, just kidding. Hold on. Animals without blemish are sacrificed as an atonement for sins. Burnt offerings are a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish, and he shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. And he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priests. Aaron's sons shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar. And it, and that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he shall fly, flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the son of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order upon the fire. And the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts of the head and the and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. But his inwards and his legs shall be wa shall he wash in water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. That sounds so gross. <laughs> like what? Remember, I told you there's no way that I would have been able to do this. It would have been so hard, especially not as many times as I go to the temple. Um, okay, so here's a little blurb about the burnt offerings. The first seven chapters of Leviticus are instructions from the Lord to Moses about the different sacrifices required of the ancient Israelites. Here in these verses, the first sacrifice taught was a burnt sacrifice, which was an animal sacrifice. The sacrifice of the animals offered upon the brass altar was meant to teach the Israelites of the future sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When the Israelite was voluntarily offering his prized animal, even the male without blemish, he would place his hands upon the animal and then it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. This did not mean that the animal itself saved the Israelite from his sins, but they knew that it was in the similitude of the Son of God who would one day come and be sacrificed. This ritual was a powerful way for them to learn. The people of the Book of Mormon understood this. They understood the purpose of the law of Moses and how it pointed them to the Messiah. In Jerem chapter 1 verse 11 we read, Wherefore the prophets and the priests and the teachers did labor diligently, exhorting, him, exhorting with all long-suffering the people to diligence, teaching the law of Moses and the intent for which it was given, persuading them to look forward unto the Messiah and believe in him to come as though he already was. And after this manner did they teach them. Oh, I think that's awesome. And then in verse five, we learn that this was, that it was the person bringing the sacrifice that killed the animal before the Lord. Yes, I knew that, which was 
why that would be so hard. They would bring their animal to the north side of the altar and kill it while the priest held a bull to catch the blood. Oh, man. The priest would then take the blood and throw it upon the altar, symbolizing the life that was being offered for sin. Then the person offering the animal would cut up the animal into specific pieces and specific parts would be washed with water. The priest then would lay the parts upon them, upon the altar and burn them. Okay, so Richard D. Draper says from... Uh, quote, the unique aspect of the burnt offering was the dividing of the animal and of wa- the washing with water. These gave this sacrifice a dimension and meaning apart from others. Each part of the animal's body can be seen as a similitude for various aspects of a person, of a person's life. The head is the emblem of the thoughts and the affections of the heart. The fat represents the general teeth or general health teeth. <laughs> I'm falling asleep, sorry. And and vigor of the whole animal. The washing of the inwards and legs suggests the need for one to be spiritually pure, not only in what he does, but also in what he desires. Taken together these things reveal the quality of life which the lord lived understanding the quote above will help us better comprehend what elder neil a maxwell taught when he said quote so it is that real personal sacrifice never was placing an animal on the altar instead it is the willingness to put the animal in us upon the altar and letting it be consumed end quote Oh, that's amazing. Elder Neil A. Maxwell, April 1985 General Conference. Oh, and then the quote from above was from Richard D. Draper, September 1980, Enzyme. So amazing. Okay. Okay, wow. I'm really falling asleep here, and I would just lay down. But I really also want to finish these chapters because I'm still behind it. And if I can read these, then I'll be caught up. And then we can start the chapters for this week tomorrow, or at least... Pretend like we can. (laughs) Okay, verse 10. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, or for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall sprinkle his blood around about the altar. And he shall cut it into pieces with his head and his fat and the priest shall say lay them in order on the wood that it is on the fire which is upon the altar but he shall wash the inwards and the legs with water and the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar it is a burnt sacrifice an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the lord okay and then 14 and if the burnt sacrifice for his offering to the lord be of fowls then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons oh those are big and the priest shall bring it unto the altar and and wring off his head oof and burn it on the altar and the blood thereof shall be wrung out of the side of the altar and he shall pluck away his crop with his feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east part of the place of the ashes and he shall cleave it with the wings thereof but shall not divide it asunder and the priest shall burn it upon the altar upon the wood that is upon the fire and it is a burnt 
sacrifice an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the lord okay super weird just something is <laughs> i was listening to a comedian i can't remember who it was now but the first time he saw his mother um cook a chicken or kill it was when he was really little and from that moment on <laughs> He had mad respect and always did what his mother asked because of the way that they had to kill the chickens. And he said that she like swung that thing around and cracked its neck and whatever. And he was just like so shocked that his mom was even able to do that. (laughs) I was like dying because I'm like, yeah, maybe that's what I need to do. Like people back in the day, they knew to listen to their parents because they're like, dude, they just killed Billy the goat over there and they will not hesitate to kill us. So (laughs) we should be obedient. (laughs) And so that's probably why some peeps were obedient to their parents back in the day. Maybe that's what I need to start doing. Take up take up chicken killing so that the boys will make sure we make sure the boys do their work um actually faust is really great at being obedient and doing the things but it's probably because he sees how hard his brother tries to fight it and it's just not possible to complain your way out of things and so he just kind of just does it so that he can get it out of the way which is like the best way to do stuff right like you do not need to draw things out like if you're gonna do your homework if you need to do chores just do it and then move on to with your life to do something else that you actually want to do so okay um some commentary just from verse 10 to 17 says the lord accepted different animals for a burnt offering bullocks goats male sheep and turtle doves were acceptable this allowed men and women of all stations to be able to offer a sacrifice the different animals were generally offered with the same guidelines though there were some variations that were detailed depending upon the animal so that makes sense like i would not be able to do a goat but i could maybe do a bird oof that i mean you should see how cute the birds are and i remember the boys like looking at a bird that was up in the tree and just like so cute and just being like oh look at that you know and just there's i don't i don't know it would be so hard okay but that's what a sacrifice is right it's supposed to be hard okay leviticus chapter 16 now And we're missing all kinds of, we're skipping all kinds of good stuff, I'm sure. Okay, so uh, chapter 16, how and when Aaron must enter the holy place is explained. Sacrifices are offered to reconcile Israel to God. The scapegoat carries away the sins of the people. The sins of all Israel are forgiven on the day of atonement. Okay, and the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when he offered before the Lord and died. When they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he may come that he come not to all time at wait. Again, let me read that. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come in come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his feet 
upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired these are the holy garments therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on and he shall take of the gar- con- and he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kinds two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering and Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering which is for himself and make an atonement for himself and for his house and he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and Aaron cast lots upon the two goats one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may carry may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not and he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do that and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression, transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it and shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it with his finger seven times to cleanse it and hallow it from the unclean cleanliness, uncleanness of the children of Israel. Okay, so uh, verses 1 to 19. Once a year, the high priest of the Aaronic priesthood, who at this time was Aaron, was permitted to pass through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And guess what? We get to go to the Holy of Holies every time we go to a temple. As long as we performed an ordinance, we get to go in there. Isn't that amazing that we can all partake of that um but only a certain certain people could do it back then oh. okay this day is called the day of atonement okay so when they were permitted to cross into the veil of holy of holies or young yom kippur kippur and yom kippur uh and is still celebrated by the jews today Dude, I need to go hang out with them because now I know all these things that I didn't know before. Um, 
I wonder if the Jews still make burnt offerings. Probably not. Uh, as part of the holy day, Aaron was instructed to go into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. The, explana- the explanation below explains what a sin offering was. Okay, this is from Richard D. Draper in that same Enzyme article from before, from 1980. Okay, quote, the Mosaic ordinance of sacrifice consisted of two categories of offerings, the voluntary burn offering, peace offering, and meat offering, or cereal offering. <laughs> cereal offering. That's the one I would have brought. Can I bring cereal to offer you? Because I don't want to kill anything. <laughs> that was for the veg- for the peeps who were vegetarians. They were out cereal. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not really what it meant. I don't know what the, me- the word cereal means here. And obligatory. So there was a voluntary and obligatory. And the obligatory was sin offering and trespass offering. Though their performances differed, they sh- they shared common elements: an offering, an an offering, an offerer, a place of offering, a laying on of hands, a priest, salt, fire, and blood. The sin offering before one could offer any voluntary offering, he first had to be acceptable to Jehovah. This was the purpose of the obligato- obligatory offerings. This term was adopted because one was obliged to make such an offering to be forgiven of sin and become acceptable to God. The sacrifice which the law deemed acceptable for the sin offering depended on the social status of the offerer. For this reason, there was more diversity in this offering than in any other. The high priest was required to offer an ox during national holy days, as was the whole congregation of Israel. A king offered a male goat in common Oh, a male goat, the common man offered a female goat or ewe sheep, and the poor offered two turtle doves. The very poor offered one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour. Oh, wow. I would have been one of those peeps that offered stuff because they didn't want to kill anything. Ooh. Sorry, the sin offering did not relate to sin or sinfulness in general, but specifically to sins committed in error. Therefore, the sin offering covered those sins which arose from weaknesses of the flesh inherent in fallen man. End quote. Aaron was also to bring two goats to the tabernacle and cast lots to determine which one would be sacrificed and which one would be a scapegoat. Um, the goat chosen for sacrifice would be offered as a sin offering. The blood of the animal's sacrifice was to be taken into the Holy of Holies and the blood was to be sprinkled upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. The, this foreshadowed the day when neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And okay, here's some quote, another quote from the Y magazine says, each year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the high priest took blood from the sacrifice on the altar into the tabernacle, passing through the veil of the high priest, sprinkled the blood onto the mercy seat as a symbol of reconciliation between God and his people. In the book of Hebrews, chapters 8 to 9, Jesus and his 
atonement are dramatically explained in terms of the high priest at the day of atonement or Yom Kippur. The, uh, Jesus as the high priest brought his own blood as the sacrifice and by sprinkling it on the mercy seat made it possible for all humans to return to the presence of God. Thus, the Ark of the Present, the sorry, thus the Ark of the Covenant becomes for Christians a central symbol in the doctrine, doctrinal understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay, mm. so we're on Leviticus chapter or chapter sixteen, verse twenty. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of, the, of a fit man into the wilderness. Okay. So we have something from Elder Bruce R. McConkie, the promised Messiah says, quote, on the day of atonement, Israel's high priests entered the Holy of Holies in the house of the Lord to make an atonement for the sins of the people. Sacrificial animals were slain and their blood sprinkled on the mercy seat and before the altar. Incense was burned and all the imagery and symbolism of the ransoming ordinances was carried out two goats were selected lots were cast and the name of jehovah was placed upon one goat the other was called the scapegoat the lord's goat was then sacrificed as the great jehovah would be in due course but upon the scapegoat were placed all the sins of the people which burdened the scapegoat then carried away into the wilderness, the high priest, as the law required, laid both hands upon the head of the live goat and confessed over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the of the goat. The goat then bore upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, inhabited, even as the even as the promised Messiah should bear the sins of many. As you can see from the above quote, or end quote, right? Both goats represented Christ and taught Israel about him. Okay, so the scapegoat I love because that goat represents our sins leaving us and Christ helping us make them go away so far away that we won't have to worry about them anymore. And so that's the scapegoat. But I think it also uh symbolizes remember when jesus christ was being um tried and he was tried next to a a thief i think or murderer i can't remember anyways both the the lord and him were being tried at the same time and the savior was the one that they wanted to crucify so they ended up crucifying him but then the other guy was let to go and was let go and he could just do whatever he wanted and he was let go and free and that's kind of like how the savior's experience was you know jesus christ was both was the one being sacrificed and then also was a scapegoat for that man because that man was able to leave and he was he didn't need to die he was able to live because of Jesus Christ and so i can see how that 
um, symbolizes both the both scapegoat and the the goat that's that's sacrificed can signify and can typify of Christ in both ways. Um, okay, number twenty two, and the goat shall bear upon him. Wait, I think I read that one. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of the congregation and shall put off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his feet with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make an atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering shall be burned upon the altar. And he that let go the goat of for the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward come into the camp. And the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make an atonement in the holy place shall one carry forth without the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins and their flesh and their dung. And he that burneth them shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water and afterward he shall come up. He shall come into the camp and this shall be a statue. Hold on, wait, that's verse 29. So we'll keep going. And this shall be the statute forever unto you that in the seventh month on the 10th day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be done of your own of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you and to cleanse you that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you and ye shall afflict your souls by a statute forever. And the priests whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes, even the holy garments. And he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make an atonement for the tabernacle of the congregation and for the altar. And he shall make an atonement for the priests and for all the people of the congregation. In this shall be an everlasting statute unto you to make an atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, and if our... Jewish brothers and sisters still practice uh, the law of Moses. This probably is also something that they must do. So I don't know. Um, I will definitely have to look up Jewish traditions and Jewish um, customs and beliefs because I am not educated enough. Oh, excuse me in their, in their ways. But, um, here we go. So there's some commentary here that we're going to get a little bit of Jewish stuff here. So it says after receiving the instructions specifically for Aaron, the high priest at the time that the Lord then instructed Moses that this was going to be something that was done once a year from that time onward today, Jews still celebrate this holiday. Here are some facts about Yom Kippur or day of atonement. Okay. Yom, Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement, is the holiest day of the year in Judaism. Yom Kippur occurs over the 10 days following Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. 
the date can change, but it's generally around the end of September or beginning of October. The central theme of Yom Kippur is atonement and repentance for the 10 days following Rosh Hashanah. Those observing Yom Kippur experience 10 days of repentance. Mm, That's kind of awesome. The 10 days of repentance conclude with the holy day of Yom Kippur. A day-long fast, intense prayer, and confession are traditionally observed. The fast is broken at sunset with a festive with a festive meal. Many Jews spend most of their day in synagogue. The day before Yom Kippur, many will have two large festive meals. At the conclusion of the second meal, the women in the family light candles. Many will wear white as a symbol of purity. Many men wear a prayer shawl called a tallit. Orthodox Jews will not wear leather shoes or anoint themselves with oil. They may also wear a long white robe known as a kittel. Kittel? Kettle? A good thing to say to someone observing Yom Kippur is have an easy fast or Yom Tov, which means have a good day. Yom Tov. They'll probably look at me like I'm crazy. Okay. Leviticus chapter 19. Here we go. Israel is commanded, be holy, live righteously, love your neighbor, and keep the commandments. The Lord reveals and reaffirms sundry laws and commandments, enchantments, wizardry, prose. Uh, prostitution and all evil practices are forbidden okay so we are down to the last two pages to the last 37 scriptures but there's a lot to read and cover here okay it looks like flora is awake um but i'm gonna see if she can stay calm in her bed for a minute okay and let's see leviticus 19 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. Okay, these, the Lord continues to instruct Moses, and here he is instructing them on how to be holy because he is holy as president nelson taught continuing encouragement comes as we follow the example of jesus who taught be ye holy for i am holy his hope for us is crystal clear he declared what manner of men ought ye to be verily i say unto you even as i am thus our adoration of jesus is best expressed by our emulation of jesus end quote what that's like a mic drop that was really good. That was really good. Um, October 1995 General Conference. Okay, verse 5. And if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it at your own will. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow. And if aught remain until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. <laughs> 
by your stomach probably because you may throw it up therefore everyone that eateth it shall bear his iniquity because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the lord and thou and that soul shall be cut off from among his people maybe that's why we get sick when we eat old food because <laughs> we're not supposed to eat it um verse oh so peace offerings so the peer the lord speaks of peace offering also known as a thank you offering. These offerings were given as a way to praise or thank God for his goodness. In general, sacrifices were not eaten by the Israelites, but with a peace offering, only a portion of the animal was burned and then the part that remained was either given to the Israelite or to the poor. These verses in the chapter instruct Israel to eat of the peace offering the day it was offered. And the next day, any remaining until the third date needed to be burned. All right, so then verse 9, And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And it shall, and thou shalt not glean the vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of, the vine, of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so this is the law of gleaning. If an Israelite is to be holy, they must be benevolent and charitable. If they are fortunate enough to have a field and a harvest, then the law here given is not to wholly reap the corners, nor to gather the gleanings. As reapers went through the fields, part of the harvest would be left or dropped. The law here is to allow the poor to come and glean or collect the, these portions left behind. The owner of the field was not to leave a cleanly reaped field, but to allow the poor to come and benefit from his harvest. A similar law is also spoken of in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 19 to 21 and the book of mormon or and the book of ruth is an example of this law in action for ruth gleaned in boaz's field okay so then verse 11 ye shall not steal neither deal falsely neither lie one to another and ye shall not swear by my name falsely neither shalt thou prone profane the name of thy god i am the lord Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God. I am the Lord. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt, re thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Okay, so he doesn't want us to judge people, and he doesn't want us to treat somebody super nice because they are rich and super bad because they're poor. Verse 16, thou shalt not go up and down as a table talebearer among thy people neither thou neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbors verse 16 thou shalt not go up and down as a tape oh i already read that one um and verse 17 thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart and thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy brother or thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love the neighbor of thyself. I am the Lord. Verse 19, ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let the, thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee.
Okay, so um, the holiness, the Lord continues to teach attributes of holiness, including not stealing, not dealing falsely or lying to others, not swearing falsely or profaning God's name, not defrauding or robbing a neighbor, not cursing the unforgettable or sorry, the unfortunate or making their way difficult, no unrighteous judgment, treat all with righteous judgment, not to be a table bearer, which means not to slander others, not hate thine brother in thine heart. A holy person can rebuke a neighbor when needed, but not hold hatred in her in our heart, not to avenge or seek revenge when a wrong has been done. It goes further to teach that to be holy, they must also cleanse themselves inwardly towards one who has wronged them and not bear any grudge. All of these holy practices are summed up in the statement, thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself, thy neighbor as thyself. Um, and I also like that quote. Um, I can't remember who said it, but it was in general conference. And he said that he detects a third commandment in there to love thyself, right? Cause you can't show love to others if you can't even love yourself. So um, when Jesus was upon the, so I love that quote. When Jesus was upon the earth, he said that there are two great commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And then here's a another quote by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. May we hope for schools where students are taught not terrified they will be shot and for the gift of personal dignity for every child of God unmarred by any form of racial, ethnic, or religious prejudice. Undergirding all of this is our relentless hope for greater devotion to the two greatest of all commandments, to love God by keeping his counsel and to love our neighbors by showing kindness and compassion, patience and forgiveness. These two divine directives are still and forever will be the only real hope we have for giving our children a better world than the one they know now. End quote. Okay, Jeffrey R. Holland, April 2020 General Conference. Okay, Leviticus 19 verse 20 and whosoever lieth carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid betrothed to an husband and not at all redeemed nor freedom given her she shall be scourged they shall not be put to death because she was not free and he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, even a ram for a trespass offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord for his sin, which he hath done and the sin, which he hath done shall be forgiven him. And when ye shall come in unto the Lord and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised three years shall it be as uncircumcised unto you it shall not be eaten of but in the fourth year of year all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the lord withal and in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof that it may yield unto you the increase thereof i am the lord your god ye shall not eat anything with the blood neither shall ye use enchantment nor observe times 
ye shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shall thou mar the corners of thy beard. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't know, but I could be wrong. But it says, ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead. Does that mean like tattoos? Because cutting of the flesh is a tattoo, you know? Um, You have to cut through like a layer of your skin in order to do it. But when it says for the dead, meaning like when you tattoo the word mom and she passed away, but you tattoo her on your on your body somewhere to kind of remember her. I guess that's not cool. <laughs> Nor print any marks upon you is what it says there. I never found that in the scriptures. I always thought that was something from uh, general authorities or prophets that, that said that. But that this is where they get it from. Um, so that is amazing that it's right in there. Don't tattoo yourself, right? Don't do it for the dead and don't just don't do it, you know? Your life is artwork from the Lord, not your body, your life. The things that you do with your life are the things that will matter. Um, And we don't hate anybody who has tattoos and we don't judge them for getting them either. But that's just what, what we believe, you know, or at least that's what I believe. I don't think that we need to... Uh, mark our bodies because with our lives we can leave a mark upon the world and that's how the lord intended for us to to leave our mark here with our gifts right um and bring people closer to christ so it makes sense okay um 29 do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness Um, this is so important. The fact that he has to give instructions to not prostitute thy daughter means that somebody was prostituting their daughter. And that's really sad to me. Um, probably because they wanted money of some sort. I'm guessing that's the only reason a lot of people do things sometimes because they're lame. And so, yeah, don't prostitute thy daughter. And also if you're the daughter, don't prostitute yourself. Okay. You are worth more than that and make the men, um, earn your respect and your attention and don't, don't go whoring around. That's like what they're saying. No whoredoms, you know, same with men. Don't just let the women walk all over you. Um, have them earn your respect and and your protection as well and have have respect for yourself i mean i think this comes down to you know loving yourself right and you you don't love yourself if you don't know who you are and you're not going to know who you are if you don't connect with christ because that because he is going to help us know who we are and he'll help us remember who we are and when we remember who we are we can finally have that love for ourselves that we need and when we love ourselves we're not going to let others disrespect us um in any way and so let's 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 aim for that right let's be classy people let's be classy san diego (laughs) um 
you don't need to live like you don't need to act trashy you don't need to dress provocatively don't give things away for free you know like like and by by don't giving don't give things away for free i'm saying like when you're dressing modestly you're not giving things away but when you're dressing immodestly and you're allowing um yourself to dress in a way that is revealing you're just giving yourself away you're giving your power away to other people cuz you're trying to please them in the way that you look but we don't please we don't have to please those people that's we don't that's like being a people pleaser we don't have to be that kind of a person um so there we go okay um number 30 ye shall keep my sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary i am the lord regard them regard not them that have familiar spirits neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them i am the lord your god <laughs> poor dad he wants to be a wizard so <laughs> too bad I guess we're not allowed to seek after wizards, but you know, it's okay to be a Harry Potter fan. Okay. I feel like the Lord was not talking about Harry Potter here, you know, because also Harry Potter is like fictional. So it's okay. Cause it's just a story, but we can take good things from stories, right? They teach us how to be and how not to be. Um, so <laughs> I just, I love that scripture though. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, 32, thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. And 33. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. (sighs) Don't, don't be mean. But the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself for we, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. So, if they're strangers, take them in like they're, they're your friends, you know. 35. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment in mediard, in weight, or in measure. Okay, so when you're measuring things out, do not do it unrighteously. I think I, he didn't mention time here, but I think time is another way to measure something. And, you know, when I'm like, give me two minutes and then it takes me 30 minutes, probably I'm doing some kind of unrighteous judgment in my timing. And that's not cool, you know. So it might be nice for me to reevaluate that in my life. Okay, 36, just balances, just weights, a just ephath and a just hin shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. Okay, a um, couple things. Let's see, trespass offering. Here we learn the trespass offerings. What is a trespass offering? Trespass offerings were given for offer, for offenses committed against others, false testimony, forceful and unlawful possession of property, disrespect of sacred things, acts of passion. The purpose of the trespass uh, offering was to bring forgiveness. This was possible after repentance and after fulfilling the law of restitution that required their possible, where possible, that the guilty individual restore completely the wrong and an individual and an additional 20%. Edward J. Brandt, December 1973. And then President 
Dell H. Oaks in 2019 General Conference says to love thy neighbor as thyself, okay? This means we are commanded to love everyone since Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan teaches that everyone is our neighbor, but our zeal to keep his to keep this commandment must not cause us to forget the first, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We show that love by keeping his commandments. God requires us to obey his commandments because only through that obedience, including repentance, can we return to live in his presence and become perfect as he is. Meanwhile, we must trust to keep both of the of the great commandments to do so. We walk a fine line between law and love, keeping the commandments and walking the covenant path while loving our neighbors along the way. This walk requires us to seek divine inspiration on what's to support and what to oppose and how to love and listen respectfully and teach in the process. Our walk demands that we not compromise on commandments, but show forth a full measure of understanding and love. Okay. And then there's two more commentaries. Okay. So the Lord continues to teach how to be holy. And there are things here that only applied to ancient Israelites. For example, the Israelites were not allowed to eat the fruit of the tree for five years. On the fourth year, they were, they were to offer all the fruit for the use of the priests in, at the tabernacle before then they were to consider their fruit unclean. Then verse 27 is strange. Unless you understand the culture of the day, there was a specific haircut that Arabs wore in the day. And the commandment was so that the Israelites would not be identified with Arab tribes. Hmm. Verse 28. um, Remember the cutting of the flesh also is also concerning the customs of their day, which was to make markings upon their skin when in mourning for the dead. Likewise, the practice of tattooing was common among the nation, the nations, and the Lord tells Israel to refrain from that practice. Um, verse 31 warns against them dealing with those who told fortunes, cast spells, and the like. The instruction is to regard not them, to be defiled by them. And verse 32 is curious. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor thy face of the old man. One with a hoary head is a person with gray or white hair because of age. The instruction here is to rise up or honor them. Oh, I like that. It's to honor the old peeps in your families. Israel is then counseled to treat a stranger as one born among you and thou shalt love him as thyself. Israel had been strangers in the land of Egypt they should never cause a person nationality to keep them from their from the brotherhood that should exist among them. Sister Linda K. Burton quoted this scripture when she asked the Relief Society sisters to consider what they could do to help the refugees in whatever area each sister lived. She said, We know that you, our beloved sisters of all ages, come from all walks of life and live in varied circumstances. Each member of this worldwide sisterhood has covenanted at baptism to comfort those that stand in need of comfort. With these truths in mind, we have organized a relief effort called I Was a Stranger. It is our hope that you will prayerfully determine who or what you can do according to your own time and circumstances to serve the refugees living in your neighborhoods and communities. President Dallin H. Oaks, October 2019 General Conference. Actually, I think that's what Sister Burton said. So I think that was the Dallin H. Oaks. They probably just copied it from above and pasted it without changing the text. But we know that it was from Sister Burton. 
Okay, that is it. Thank you for showing up today. You're amazing and I'm in your family. So um, thanks. I love you and we will continue our readings and we get to go see Flora now.